Today with Catherine Ruinala. I love hearing testimonies. This week I was reading in the paper about the harvest that we've been having in Queensland. And it's a bumper harvest this year, which is awesome. But the sad news is that there are farmers actually having to bulldoze some of their crops back into the ground because there are not enough fruit pickers. Uh, I read about one blueberry farmer who's had to plow back in $10 million worth of blueberries back into the ground because there weren't enough people to pick the harvest. And, you know, I really believe that that's a prophetic sign for us. The harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into the harvest field. And we're called to labor with, with the Lord, that it's not, it's not, it doesn't have to be hard work, but it has to be focused and recognize the times and the seasons. And he wants us to go out and he wants us demonstrating his mercy and his goodness. So we love to hear testimonies of God's healing. It's so wonderful to hear about the miracles. Praise the Lord for the testimonies. But we, we know that, that God's heart is for everyone everywhere to hear the gospel. Everyone everywhere to be reconciled to him. The Bible tells us that God desires that none should perish, but that all should have everlasting life. I've had a series of dreams this week uh, where I believe the Lord is really speaking to us. That in the midst of all the chaos that might be going on in the world around us, God's heart is for revival that people's hearts would be set on fire, that they would passionately share their faith, unafraid of the consequences, unafraid of what might happen. No matter who you are, God is wanting to move on our hearts and help us to recognize that we have the opportunity to share the good news of the gospel and that people are looking for Him. God wants us to recognize that the harvest is, is more ripe than we've ever realized. And he's looking for us to, to realize the, the, the gift that we carry. Peter and John would say, such as I have, give I thee. Do you know what you have? The hope that you carry on the inside of you? John chapter 4 verse 35 says this, do not say that there is still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for, for, that for which you have not labored Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. The harvest is white, it's ready. And you know, this I, I believe it speaks on many, many levels. It's speaking about the promises of God. It's speaking about the things that God has prepared in advance for us to do. It's the things, the blessings that He has already determined toward us. They are ripe and they are ready to be received. Hallelujah. And we need to enlarge our capacity to receive. We need to enlarge our capacity uh, to take take in and agree with God about what he wants to do. But in this context, Jesus is really speaking about souls. He's speaking about the harvest of souls that is ready to be brought into the kingdom. 
And, you know, me being up front here, you might think that it's just really easy for me to talk to strangers anytime. But actually, my personality is I'm, I'm a bit of both, a bit of an extrovert and an introvert. And if I, if I don't have to t- talk to people, I'm quite happy not to. Um, but praise God, God is not limited by our personality. His desire and is to show us and help us to recognize the opportunities that he's putting in front of us. I remember when I was at school, uh, just in high school, I went to a high school where there are very few who were born again Christians. In fact, I, I think there was only one other girl in my grade. I went to a girls' school. And I remember um, getting one of our youth leaders come to ISCF, you know, Interschool Christian Fellowship, and there were like three of us. But I, I thought, well, I'm going to get my youth leader to come and they came and they presented the gospel and I brought my friends. And one of them, uh, after they shared the gospel, uh, they said, now, if you've prayed that prayer, make sure you tell someone uh, before the day's out. And on the way back to class, my friend told me, "I I prayed that prayer. And I was so excited. But I didn't really, I didn't have the capacity to get it to church. You know, obviously I was only in grade 10. I couldn't drive or while I did my best, I wasn't able to disciple her properly. And she didn't seem to go on with God at all. And then years later, when I was just in my early 20s, after I'd married and had my first baby, I think it was about 23, we, we had the opportunity to go to England And my friend had moved to England and married and had her first baby. And so we went and visited them. And again, I just sowed the seed. I shared about God's love for us and what he's been doing in my life and how I've been set free because at that stage I'd received such a glorious deliverance. I'd been set free and God had shown me how much he loved me. And I I shared this with her and her husband. Well, um, Then it was another few years and they moved back to Australia. They came and visited and I just kept sharing about what God had done for me. And and then actually her husband passed away unexpectedly. After a, a year or two, she started playing touch football with some guys up up at Mullaney. I got this phone call one day. Well, firstly, a few uh, soon after her husband died, she rang me and and, and was saying, you know, I don't think, I can't understand, I can't understand what's happened. I don't think God could love me and I don't understand why, how a loving God could do that. And again, I just shared my faith and uh, tried to love her the best I knew how. And then a couple of years later, she called me and said, I've been playing football with these guys and they've been taking me along to their church and I really like it. And she, and she said, I want to do it. Can you help me? And I said, I'm coming right now. So I put the kids in the car. I jumped in the, uh, the car and drove up to the Sunshine Coast. And, um, and she just, she drilled me for about three hours asking me questions about why did God let the horses die in the Red Sea? And, you know, all the, all the questions. Uh, but, but by the end of the conversation, she then said, I, I want to I give my life to Jesus. And I prayed with her and she gave her heart to the Lord. 
soon after that, she married one of these guys and I got to be her bridesmaid. And he, of course, was a Christian. And, um, and now today, many, many years later, uh, her children are walking with the Lord. That We went to a, um, a school reunion recently and she w- I was not sure if I was going to go. And she was encouraging me saying, come on, people need to know about Jesus. And, and she herself has led many, many people to Jesus. And I share that story to say that nothing is wasted. You might feel like having shared the gospel with somebody, you haven't seen any fruit. But the Bible tells us that one sows, another reaps. And you don't know That might be your day of reaping. It might be your day of sowing. But whatever it looks like, God's heart is for you to to know that if you'll follow his lead, he will help you. And his desire is not that we'd ram the gospel down people's throat, but we'd realize that if we, everything we do is we do it in love. People around the world, everybody is wired to be looking for love. And true love can only be found in Jesus. It's lovely to have beautiful relationships. It's beautiful. I'm so grateful for my amazing husband. Thank God Uh, we've been married. Coming up this year, it's going to be 30 years in January. Hallelujah. And I'm so thankful for him. But you know, everybody is actually looking for something that no one, no one can, can fill, not the best person in the world. And that is the connection with God that we are all made to have. But when I start talking about that to people, I can see their hearts start to light up. And as you begin to share about how God has changed your life, about how He's there for you, as they see the joy on your face, as they see the love of God in your eyes, love is the thing that is going to cause them to recognize who God is. Because the Bible says God is love. If you're coming against them and you're judging them and saying, stop doing this and you shouldn't be doing that and that's that and that's, you know, most people who don't know Jesus, or even if they do, are going to just put their wall up and go, because they want to protect themselves from this person that's judging them. Jesus didn't come into the world to judge the world, but he came that the world through him would be saved. Hallelujah. They want to know that they are loved. And I I struggled with this with my eldest daughter when she was away from the Lord as a a teenager. And she came back home eventually and I I just really struggled because she was, I think, about 20, 21 by that stage. And I, I, everything in me still wanted to be mum that was telling her, what was right and what was wrong. And I'd look at her and I'd think, oh, I don't like what she's wearing or I don't like that attitude. And I'd try to be nice on the outside and go, oh, hey, honey. But I'm thinking to myself, oh, I don't like that. And, that. and inevitably, whatever's in your heart comes out of your mouth. And she'd, she'd actually, she's so prophetic, she'd say, stop thinking that. I'd be like, oh. And we were always butting heads. It was so difficult. And then one night, the Lord gave me a dream. And in the dream, I was taking my daughter to the, to the doctor to get fixed. You know, doctor's going to fix her up. Took her to the doctor. And the doctor reaches under his desk and pulls out this huge pile of presents. 
and gives them to my daughter. And I just looked at the doctor going, what are you doing? What are you doing? And the doctor looked at me really sternly. And he said, you don't know how special she is. And I woke up and I thought, what was that God? Of course I know how special my daughter is. But I actually knew the Lord was permissioning me to love her lavishly without having to try to correct her. And the moment I understood that, the moment I started putting that into practice, all the walls came down and everything shifted. And you know, that's how God wants us to recognize that we are to be with everyone around us. That if we are approaching people with a, I mean, a sincere desire, I was like this when I was a teenager. I would go and I'd tell my dad, you know, we'd go and visit my dad on holidays and I'd tell my dad, you need to stop smoking and you need to do this. And, you, and he, he'd just smile and go, yeah, you're right, that's right, yeah. But never had any effect in leading him to Jesus that way. As I began to grow in understanding of the love of God, I've watched and seen how people's hearts have melted and opened when they realize that you're not against them, but that you're for them, that you love them, that you love them like he loves them. That when you look at them, uh, like Jesus, when he looked at the rich young ruler, the Bible says he looked at him and loved him. And when we are ministering to people, God's heart is that we would look at them and love them that they would feel the love of God jumping out through our hearts, through our eyes, through our speech, that in everything we do, that we would be manifesting the love of God for it's the goodness and kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Hallelujah. And God's desire is that everyone everywhere would recognize that his arms are open wide, that God is not holding them at a distance and pointing the finger at them. But instead, he's opening his arms and saying, I've taken away your sin and your shame. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And as they come to him, they see his mercy. They see his goodness. Their hearts are convicted and they're in his light. They see light and they recognize, ah, that's wrong. I don't want to do that anymore. Have mercy on me, God. The fear of God hits them where they go, you are so good. God, thank you, Father. Have mercy on me. And, and true repentance comes. God's desire is, is that we would, we would be like the father of the prodigal son. As the son's coming home, feeling rotten, feeling miserable. Instead of the father running to him and saying, do you know what you've done? Do you know the shame you've brought on this family? Do you understand the pain that you caused me? Do you understand how, how wicked you've been? That just wasn't the attitude of the father. The attitude was the father was, oh, I love you. Here you are. Let me celebrate you. Let me put a robe on your back and a ring on your finger. And in the midst of the father's great joy and great love, the son's heart was cut to the place where he was, he was utterly repentant, saying, Father, I'm not even worthy to be called your son. Have, and, and repentance hit his heart because the love of the father touched him first. 
God's desire for us is to manifest that great love so that people's hearts will melt and that they will be able to receive the mercy of the Father. God wants us to know that he is, he is helping us. And even if you feel inadequate, God will help you. I had the privilege of, um, I went to visit my brother who'd been away from the Lord for, you know, all his life. And um, I got there and I only had two hours to see him. He was in Vietnam. And his girlfriend had, had, had a look online and seen who I was. And my brother had a skin cancer on his hand. And he hadn't been to the doctor and it was growing and it was not good. And he said to me, oh, um, you know, my, my girlfriend says that you've got magic, that you should, you know, do the thing, pray for me. And I said, you know I haven't got magic, but I, I know that God does heal and I'll pray for you. And so Emily and I were there together and we both prayed for his hand. And up to this point, he'd been very against any any gospel message. He'd had a lot of people who were, were trying to tell him how bad he was, Christians. And we didn't do any of that, but we just, we just prayed for his hand. Well, two days later, he sent me a photograph where the thing had fallen off and he had just had beautiful pink skin underneath. And then all of a sudden, his heart opened up to the gospel. All of a sudden, he started writing to me, asking for prayer. All of a sudden, we started having God conversations that we'd never had before. And you know, I, I am convinced that God's ways are higher than our ways. I know we must preach the truth. We're not preaching a, a, um, a lie. We want to preach the truth that God is love, that Jesus is the only way to salvation, that God wants no one to perish. He wants everyone to have eternal life. But we have to respond. We have to make a choice and say, yes, God, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. And as we preach Jesus, the only way to salvation, uh, we can demonstrate the love of God through signs and wonders and miracles. We can demonstrate the love of God uh, by, by just being a listening ear, by caring for people, by praying for their situations. One of the best ways that I've found when it comes to sharing the gospel is just to ask people, is there anything I could pray for you for? Or if they're talking about a problem that they're having, just say, I'll often say, do you, can, I, can I pray for you for that? They sometimes get shocked that I actually do it there on the spot. But as they do, they feel and experience the love of God because when I pray, I pray sincerely and they can hear it. God, God's, I believe, opening up opportunities to us that are unprecedented that as people are shaking and the world is shaking and things are, people are, are feeling disappointment or discouragement and things that are going on, we have the answer. We have the love of Jesus. And just by reaching out to somebody, particularly in this time where people have been forcibly distanced from each other, when you reach out and say, can I pray for you? Watch and see how their deep need will start to connect with the love of God. You don't have to you know, have a full-on preach or anything like that. You, know, you could be just waiting for a bus and you see somebody and you say, hey, how are you doing? And if they say, yeah, okay, 
back and say, oh, just okay. And, and they might just start to open up to you. They might start to say, oh, yeah, I'm not having a good day. You can say, oh, that's, that's tough. Can I, can I just pray a blessing on you? I normally do that. Can I pray a blessing on you? Because very rarely do people reject a blessing. And as I begin to pray that God would bless them, that he'd reveal his love to them, so often I watch their hearts just start to go, ooh, I'm going to let my walls down because I feel safe, because I feel loved. Every one of us have the capacity in our own way to share the gospel. But I'm telling you that the harvest is actually dying on the vine, that there are people so ready that it's easier to reach out and grab the, the fruit than we realise. Hallelujah. God wants you to drink deeply from the river of His love and His grace and His mercy. He wants you to celebrate, praise and give Him thanks. And as you do that, when you go out, instead of reflecting your problems onto people, they're going to see your shining eyes. Even if you haven't seen the breakthrough that you're, you're wanting yet, you can thank God for something every day and come into a place of praising Him until your face begins to shine. You know, I, I do this. And in the mornings, I, I've been intentional to, to begin my mornings. I, I begin with communion. I take communion with the Lord. And then I, been, as I wake up, I've been trying to be intentional to to start with thanksgiving. What can I be thankful for? Well, I haven't seen the breakthrough that I'm asking for yet, there yet, but this is what I'm going to thank God for. And this is what I normally start with because this is the one that always makes my, my face smile. So I go, God, I'm so thankful that every time I say, Father, you are right there. Yeah, I love you. Thank you, Daddy, that, that I'm alive today. Thank God. Thank you, Jesus. And you know, there's so many things that you can be grateful for. Thank you, Jesus, that you've taken away my sin and you've made me clean. Oh, wow, God. Thank you that I get to spend eternity with you. You can tell. When I start talking about that, my eyes start shining. I know they do because I feel it. But so do yours. When you start to praise the Lord, when you start to give thanks, and that's what God wants to show to the world around you. That's what people want to see. Do you know the world can read you? You are a living epistle. And the good news is that whether they're believers or not believers, people around you need God in you. They need, they need what you have to bring. An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. And you might feel like, well, I'm not having a good day. But if you'll begin to praise the Lord, if you'll begin to give him thanks, if you'll begin to be intentional about giving him glory, God doesn't want a day where we don't shine, but he doesn't expect us to be happy all the time. But he does expect us to bring our sorrows and exchange them for supernatural joy to not wear it, but to give it over, to take it. And the way we do that is by beginning with thanksgiving, beginning with praise, beginning with his goodness, beginning uh, with thanking God. Because you will often find opportunities will come your way when you don't feel prepared. 
you're in the shops and you haven't got any makeup on and suddenly there's an opportunity to share the gospel. You guys, you have no idea what I'm talking about, but I know what I'm talking about. See, I don't, I don't wear a mask. Uh, you can see what's real happens on my face because I'm just, I have a, I've got a bit terrible poker player, I tell you. I'd be like, oh, I've got a great head. <laughs> I went to the shops one day and I didn't have lipstick on and someone saw me and said, are you sick? <laughs> what's with this? But does it, in whatever, whatever moment you are in, God is there with you and ready to love people through you. And I believe that as we recognize what God is doing, as we ask for rain in the time of rain, as we lean into the fact, I'm sensing revival in the air, God. I'm not going to sit back and wait and see what happens, but I'm going to press into it. I'm going to focus. I'm going to ask for more. As you do that, more will be given. To him who has, more will be given. So open your eyes and begin to recognize what is God doing? It could start with a little song going through your head. It could start with just, I felt something different in worship tonight. That's your dinner bell. And he's waiting for you to run toward him and say, I want more, God. I want more. And as you do that, he'll give you more. And as you stay on that track, it's like following a vein of gold. You're going to hit the jackpot. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God, we love you. Father, your faithfulness is so amazing.